Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I'm your host, Gabe Peterson, and this is the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items for you. First, if you like this episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running far into the future. Second, if you're a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All I charge is our admin costs to keep this show running. So if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says, get the ebook in the upper right-hand corner to grab yourself a copy. With that said, let's dive right in. Today, we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. All right, we are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have with us Sean Katona. Sean is a full-time real estate investor and landlord who has spearheaded 75 plus deals ranging from value-add renovations to new construction. His focus at simplified properties is revitalizing fixer-upper shopping centers to maximize returns for friends and colleagues who invest alongside him. I'm super excited because Sean is an alumni of UW which is where I went. So go Huskies. This is That's what we're uh, dedicating this ep- episode to. Um, Sean, thanks a bunch for hopping on here. How are you? Yeah, Gabe, I'm excited to do this. Good to be with you and a pleasure to be on the show. I, I'm impressed with the success and the following that you've built all over the interwebs. So this was fun. <laughs> right on. Um, so as I was talking before we hopped on here, we always start with stories. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? How did you get started in real estate in the first place? So I, I think like so many of us, uh, I had read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, at a pretty young age. Uh, I think I was probably 17. And so that kind of planted the seed. Not that I did anything with it right away, but fast forward a few years. Um, I was working at Microsoft at the time, and I you know had a little bit of money saved up finally and kind of fumbled my way through uh, what I thought would be my first rental property, accidentally turned flip because it was a cash flow break-even deal. Um, and I sold that and we made a decent little profit and it kind of made me scratch my head and go, boy, if I did a couple of these a year, this might be an annual salary. And so that got me curious and fascinated. I took the profits from that deal and bought a duplex in SeaTac um, about a decade ago. And that thing just cash flowed uh, nicely for many, many, many years. And I ran out of money at that point. And so started trying to figure out, you know, how can you continue to buy deals? And so I went out found a coach, found a mentor, got a little bit more serious in the business in 2012. And then in 2013, went full-time into real estate investing. So that was all sorts of things. It was kind of like the jack of all trades. It was flipping, it was wholesaling some deals, it was buying more rental properties. I bought some turnkey out-of-state rentals, uh, lots of scrapes and scars and bruises and lessons learned the hard way. 
and you fast forward all the way to today, um, predominantly focused on fixer-upper shopping centers. So some of the same fundamentals from the residential days, right? Buy a fixer-upper, force appreciation, add value to it. I'm just doing it now with an extra comma and more zeros behind it. And instead of, you know, kitchens and cabinets and that type of stuff, it's filling up vacancy, it's, you know, reworking leases, it's backfilling, you know, better quality tenants, it's bumping rents, it's tightening expenses. I think, Gabe, probably a lot like you do on the mobile home park side of things or storage, similar fundamentals. If we can crank up, you know, the net operating income of a building, the value goes up, you know, basically in lockstep with it. Yep, for sure, man. And that's what I, oh man, that's what I love about um, real estate. And what what nobody realizes when they get started is that it doesn't really matter how much the property's worth. The fundamentals, it's all the same. It's, you know, you look at somebody who's doing a $30 million, you know, 300 unit apartment building and they're like, oh, I could never do that. But really, it's not that much different from something that's much smaller. So I love that. Um, Super excited to get into shopping centers, but I want to unpack your story a little bit more. Um, you said you basically got in on accident. It sounds like you just bought a house, you flipped it, and you're like, oh, shit, this is great. I almost I can make my money if I do this a, a few times a year and, and call it good. Um, at what point did you realize, like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm not going to be doing this. I'm going to be focusing, you know, 100% on real estate. Yeah, it, it wasn't till I had a couple of wins under my belt. I think, you know, and that made sense for a lot of reasons. I had a little bit of confidence, uh, a little bit of experience, a little bit of cash flow coming in with a couple of rental properties. And I'd squirreled away about a hundred grand at that point in, in basically startup money or operating capital. And, and hopefully that would be enough for me to live off of um, while I got some of these going. But Boy, did that go fast. And, and you know, boy, was there, you know, kind of a, a wild roller coaster ride ahead. I think if you'd have told me like what the next 10 years would have in store, I don't know if I would have had the cojones for it. But maybe that's <laughs> for the best because, you know, you fast forward now and it's, it's probably the best decision I ever made, you know, financially. Although I might give some friends and, and colleagues or family a little bit of different advice. I think investing, you know, passively while having the stability of a W-2 income and being lendable with banks, I might've gotten there even faster to, to the position we're in today. So that's a whole different debate, but that's, that's I, what the journey looked like. And, you know, I, I, I give a ton of credit to, you know, coaches and mentors and friends who really helped to, you know, solve some of the issues. We're just, there's so much you don't know. And then there's all the stuff you don't know, you don't know when it comes to real estate investing. And so, you know, being able to tap a, a, a an expert or a group of experts has been invaluable. Still is to this day. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm a firm believer that you got to be a little dumb in order to really make it in real estate because you got to just do it. You can't, you can't wait until you know everything. You just got to bite the bullet. You got to get out there. You got to do a deal and, uh, and just hope and pray and just keep going until you find something that works. Right. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, you didn't, you know, you, you took that route, you jumped out, you were ready. Um, you, you were taking action, but you also had, you know, the route of, of, of mentorship, you know, you had that, those people behind you kind of adding in their expertise. Um, I'm a huge proponent, huge fan of people getting mentors, especially in real estate, um, because it is complicated as hell at times. And so it's really good to have that sounding board. Um, how did your, like, how'd you find the mentor and what did that relationship kind of look like as it, um, you know, as it went forward? 
Yeah. So, so when it came to residential, I bumped into a group called Fortune Builders, which I think a lot mm. of people have heard of yeah. at this point. You've probably seen a, a Fan Merrill infomercial in the middle of the night. So I'm like the fourth or fifth person who's uh, come on the show from, uh, from Fortune Builders. So good representation here on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, that's how we got connected, right? Because one of my uh, maybe former students kind of inter- introduced us to each other. So yeah, I mean, they've got a great structure, right? They've got curriculum, they've got they've got live boot camps, there's on-site things, you get to really practice and have someone double, tri- triple checking your work, a second, third set of eyes going through all your numbers. And uh, when the time came for me to, to get involved in commercial, I was taking their, their courses, but I also went and found someone who, you know, really focused predominantly on commercial real estate. And so that's a de- another group called Commercial Academy. And so I spend a lot of time, you know, those, those groups are, are my families now. And you know, really, they've they've been like I said, invaluable, and I uh, have strong relationships with with you know alumni and coaches, and I've done you know teaching for both of those organizations at this point. So just uh, fun to be able to give back a little bit to people who are just getting started in the business too. Yep, yep, absolutely. So your first one, um, I mean, you were going down the road. Your first one is Fortune Builders that I'm sure you use. You, uh, how did it kind of work? Were you, was it one-on-one? Was that what benefited you the most or was it more the group setting that kind of got you, got you going? I mean, they have, they have a good setup of both, right? So you can do one-on-one calls with coaches and that was nice to be able to chat with someone for a half hour at a time. Then we go to, you know, live boot camps where you've got two or 300 people in a room learning about how to craft offers, how to do marketing, how to create deal flow, how to raise private capital. And then there's, you know, all the coursework that's on demand too. And so it's nice now, you know, the, t- the tech is so good and people have done such a good job building courses and video content. Like, I think we can sit here in our home office and, and you know, if you have the discipline to crank through a hundred hours of, of, you know, an expert sharing all their best secrets. And so many of us, like, look what you're doing, you know, look what I'm doing. I'm putting everything out there for the world to know of like what we do and how we do it. I'm not charging anything to share this. Um, but, but, you know, that's a good business, right. To sell courses. So um, yeah, they had a great infrastructure in place and I cranked through that and I went out and I think what's, what's most important is applying that knowledge, right? I think you could get a lot of this knowledge in a $12 book. Um, can't necessarily ask questions of the author, but you go out and, you know, apply that and, and take that and start making offers, which is for me, the engine that drives this business, right? If we're not making offers on houses or duplexes or fourplex or 400 unit apartment buildings, uh, nothing's really happening. That's how we create the opportunity to, you know, buy properties at a deep discount, to raise capital, to bring friends and family in and create, you know, generational wealth for folks who want to invest alongside of us. Man, you're the first person to say that, but I'm glad you did. Um, I honestly think the number one KPI that any investor out there should be tracking is the number of offers you make. It is going to be a direct correlation to how fast you grow, how much uh, how much you expand. Just make the offers, you know, do the analysis, come up with the price and just make those offers. Keep doing them week after week after week. Um, and eventually you're going to get traction. It doesn't matter if you if you buy it and flip it, if you wholesale it, whatever the action, you, you know, the strategy you're trying to employ, it all comes down to the offer. So that's offer. That's awesome that you said, just make those offers. Um, surprising you're the first person to say that. So uh, moving on, I want to get into shopping centers. I, I haven't, you know, I haven't had anybody on the show that's talked about shopping centers. You're the first. So this is new, new, uh, new area to me. Tell me about how you got started in shopping centers, why you chose it in the first place. Um, yeah, let's start with there. Why did you choose shopping centers? So 
That that group that I mentioned, um, it's a mastermind group that I'm part of. And a lot of the guys and gals in that group had an affinity for retail, for shopping centers. And the guy who chairs the group, you could, you could say it's probably his favorite asset class. And mm. so I just happened to see deal after deal after deal of guys going in, buying fixer upper retail properties, you know, increasing the value by 20, 30, 40, 50%, sometimes doubling the value of a property. And so I think after seeing that enough, my confidence and my comfort level built in that asset class. And so I started looking for apartment buildings. I started looking for shopping centers. I was kind of all over the place in the West. I was looking in the Pacific Northwest. I was looking in Southern California where I lived. I was even looking in Arizona and I happened to hit on my first deal just outside of Phoenix. Sure enough, it was listed on LoopNet. Um, it was a bank-owned property. It was kind of unstabilized. None of the leases had any term on them. And there was a lot of tenants that looked questionable. But um, I was able to to get that bank to take a much lower offer price. I'll just give you the numbers. It was listed at 2.6. We ended up closing on it at $2 million. Um, but over the course of 18 months, I filled up all the, the vacancy that we had in that building. I renewed all those leases and the building ended up selling for $3.5 million. So it was a little over a million dollars in profit in about 18 months. Um, and that was you know, life changing for, for us and what we've been working on. And none of my deals prior even came close to that. And you know, instead of trying to juggle 10 or 20 flips, which I had tried, <laughs> Um, here I was making more money, working less with better tax advantages. It was cash flowing the whole way. We were paying the loan balance down. You know, we had significant depreciation and paper losses to offset some of that income. So it just put us into a really favorable tax environment. And, you know, what, what happened after that was, you know, the second deal got easier and then the third one. And now all of a sudden you're kind of a known quantity in town and brokers are reaching out going, Hey, I see you bought this. I see you sold that. Like, would you like to take a look at another fixer upper? And so the subsequent ones got so much easier and maybe even better. So now I'm getting looks at, you know, pocket listings and, and I'm trying to become, you know, all those brokers favorite client because they can double triple end deals with me a lot like I did in the residential days. Yep, absolutely. It really does come, especially with brokers, it comes down to um, just having done deals. Once they see that you, you'll you close, they see that you actually get shit done, then they'll, they'll start reaching out. Um, a lot of people, you know, people that just get started, they, they're, uh, you know, they kind of get disheartened because they're, they're not getting anything from a broker, but just get out there, find a deal, get it closed and show them like, hey, man, I close, man. This is what I did. This is something that I've done. Show the broker that you you're somebody who will close, who will do the deal. And, uh, and they'll start coming back to you for sure. Um, so shopping centers, when I hear that in my mind, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, thoughts out there that shopping centers are going down. It's an, it's an asset class that is going to be less desirable into the future. Um, do you see this or is obviously, you know, you still like shopping centers. So what do you see going into the future for, uh, for shopping centers? Right? Am I crazy? Out of my out of my mind? What am I doing? Um, what are you doing, man? Pull up. It's funny. It's 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 probably for years been a little bit of a contrarian asset class, right? Because you think about what was happening already with Amazon, and then the pandemic, like really accelerating so much of that. 
And you take into account some of these like dinosaurs of, of retail, right? Who just didn't adopt. They had no e-commerce presence. They just weren't thinking about what consumer shopping preferences were. Uh, and they're going the way of the dodo bird. And there's a little bit of a cleansing of some of those antiquated business models. Um, but there's a whole different side of retail. You know, when you, you think about the JCPenney's and the Sears and the Kohl's, you're kind of like, ooh, like I don't go there to shop anymore. Like so much of it is just getting delivered to my doorstep. But there's a whole category of, service-based stuff and experiential mm. stuff. So you think about where you go to get your dog groomed. You think about where you go to get your haircut, where I take our kids to school, uh, the restaurants that you go to. So a lot of, you know, the, the, the nail salons, we could go on and on and on, but there's going to be a ton of stuff still that we go out physically and have an experience or we want to have that in-person experience. And so it's made probably everyone in that asset class think about their tenant mix a lot more cautiously or carefully mm. or strategically. And it's like, what is going to be a tenant for the future? And who is going to be here in five or 10 years? And who are the guys that are adapting? And so I think about that a lot when I'm buying a deal. And then also when I'm backfilling that vacancy. So, you know, I like putting in those service centric Amazon internet resistant tenants, because I know there's always going to be demand for those. Yep. So that, that's one thing um, that makes me comfortable. Uh, it's also an asset class where because, no offense, but um, multifamily is so hot because mm -hmm. industrial and logistics are so hot because mobile home parks have gotten so hot. Um, yeah, you see the cap rates on those compressing and the returns getting a little bit tighter and maybe the margins getting a little bit tighter. And you almost see the opposite over here in retail. So <laughs> instead of, you know, getting a four cap or a 4% return on my money unleveraged, I can go to Phoenix and get a seven or an eight cap um, pretty typically. And if I go and do a value add deal, I can probably expand that up to a 10, 11, 12 cap in some cases. And so I'm getting two to three times the return on my investment, or I'm stretching my cash that much further, or I'm stretching my investors cash that much further. And so, you know, a lot of my investors live in California or live in Seattle, and they like the idea of getting two X returns on what they might be able to get in a multifamily deal in Southern California. Right. So yep. all those things kind of created the perfect storm for me. And I'm, I'm very selective, right? Like I'm, I'm looking for unicorns. I buy a handful of deals a year. I probably pass on 95 out of a hundred, put out a couple low ball LOIs. And if those get accepted, like I'm going to make a killing on those. They're going to be great deals with a lot of margin for error where if, you know, we lose a tenant or two or three, we're still cash flow positive. We still have tremendous debt flow or debt coverage ratio. So there's just, there's so many ways that we're protected and that we're mitigating the risk when we go in and buy right. Um, and we get well-located buildings that had good traffic count, that have good visibility, that have good signage, which sometimes we're improving. So a lot of those things go into, you know, the business model of what we're buying and how we increase the value of those properties, which maybe is a whole other point to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. The one thing that I want to stress for everybody listening, you said, make sure you're buying right. That's it always comes down to buying right. Um, you can buy, I mean, the, the most, I don't know, unsexiest of asset classes. Uh, but if you buy it right, then it'll work out because uh, it all comes down to the purchase. So, um, Okay. So, I mean, retail is, or shopping centers are also, it's a very broad term. There's a lot of things that can fit into that. I mean, you're not going around, you're not buying like South Center Mall, right? You're, right. you're buying um, strip, basically strip centers, correct? Is that, that's like the, 
typically what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. I'm, a lot of the brokers would would describe it as like a, a neighborhood center, um, and and you know the, the definition varies a little bit, but uh, most of the stuff that I look for is between twenty and fifty thousand square feet. Okay. And there's there's some outliers. You know, I would I would go down to ten thousand feet, and that might be considered more of a strip center. You know, I could I could go a little bit bigger. Um, I've got one in Tucson right now that's an Albertsons anchored center. So you've got a big grocery store there driving tons of foot traffic, but we own all the shop space on either side. Albertsons owns their own building. So that'd be considered a grocery anchored center. But, you know, the the biggest thing that I look at, you know, regardless of the size is the upside potential. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not terribly concerned with the cap rate so much. I'm just saying, hey, guys, like like we would on a house, find me a deal. And I'm talking to my brokers here. Find me a deal with a significant problem that we can go in and solve. And by doing so, we can increase the value of the property by 2x. And so that might be a 50% vacant building. It could be deferred maintenance. It could be a terrible sign. It could be a parking lot. We do landscaping. Uh, I might help the tenants do a new build out inside of their suite and make contributions towards that where the last ownership group did not. And so all those things, when we pull on those levers, can help us fill up a building that has really been underperforming, underutilized, back to its glory days, its pro forma value. And when you take something from 50% occupied to 100, you know, the income pretty much doubles, the value of the building pretty much doubles. And that creates an amazing opportunity to do, you know, a refinance and maybe pull out all of our cash that we have in the deal. Kind of like a, uh, you've probably heard of the Burr formula, right? Buy it, renovate it, rent it, and then refinance it. Same concept. We're just playing with seven figures now instead of a single family deal. Um, or sell that for, you know, a nice, nice profit. You know, generally these deals take more than a year. So we're talking about long-term capital gains. And then I'll turn around and buy probably a bigger deal and be able to shield most of those tax gains with hopefully some accelerated depreciation and some paper losses on the next project. So that's kind of the game of chess that I was playing in 2020, 2019, and this year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's so much we can unpack, but I just checked the clock and we just hit 20. So I got to move us into the next, the end, end section of our podcast. But before I do, I want to ask you one more question. Um, for anybody who wants to get involved in retail, what is one piece of advice you would give them um, to get started? Um, I think having you know someone who can guide you through this business is a requirement like to try and do this on your own just doesn't make sense there's like i said in the beginning right too much that you don't know and all the stuff you don't know you don't know uh and so i would i would i think what i would do if i was doing it all over again myself is invest alongside somebody if i'm interested in this asset class kind of ride in the passenger seat see what they're doing how they're doing it and if you want to make this a full-time job and a career um, and become more of a deal sponsor and become more of a syndicator, you know, there's there's a different path for that. But that's two different worlds, right? There's folks who just want to deploy capital, you know, and they're a doctor or a dentist or an attorney or whatever it is, and they're out there saving lives. And so they're just looking to get that double digit return on their money and take advantage of you know, cash flow and loan pay down and appreciation that's baked into the leases and the tax advantages. Um, versus, you know, going out and sourcing deals and negotiating with brokers and uh, recruiting tenants and all the things that go into the active operation side of the business. So I think align yourself with someone, you know, Gabe, like you, if you're doing storage or mobile home parks, I think investing alongside you is a no brainer. If you're interested in retail, investing alongside someone like me probably is really interesting. 
And then if you get to the point where you want to, you know, be in the driver's seat, go out and find somebody who can guide you through that process. Or maybe you've learned enough at that point to be a wildly successful in your own. Perfect. I love it. Great advice. Moving us into the last quick question round. And it always starts with books because I'm a big bookie. So give me two book recommendations, one for general life wisdom, and then one for real estate. Okay. Uh, I really liked The One Thing by Gary Keller. And that's maybe it's because of my personality. I can get distracted in so many different directions. There's so many ways to make money in real estate. And there's so many things to do as an entrepreneur. It really helped me to get clarity on like, what's the one thing that I can do such that everything else will become, you know, unnecessary. And, And for me, that was buying another shopping center. Because when I do that, we're creating six figures of cash flow, you know, not just for us and our family, but for you know, our investors in a lot of cases. And then you can afford to, to write checks to solve a lot of your problems and just getting absolutely focused. And Gabe, it came back to that other thing we talked about earlier was deal flow, right? When I'm doing deal flow to buy another shopping center and I'm writing up offers, like it, it can create a seven figure income. And so that that is life-changing for for you know for us and for so many people that are involved in this business so i don't know if i mean that's a general book but that's how i applied it to real estate um in terms of real estate there was uh there's a really good one and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up because i i thought it was so good so let me circle back on that while you pop up your next question all right sounds good uh moving on so um, I lost my space. There we are. Okay. So if you go back to the Sean who had zero experience in real estate, he was just graduating UW, um, you know, proud Husky, go back to him, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Mm. I probably should have gone bigger sooner. And I had fear of failure, like so many people do. Um, and, and, and rightfully so, right? Like I got into a couple of house flips where I lost a hundred grand back to back on two Ooh. deals a piece. So I'm sitting here a quarter million dollars in the hole uh, in, in a really tough spot, not just financially, um, but also from like a confidence standpoint, and that yeah. stuff like spills yeah. over into your marriage and your personal life and all these things. Right. So that's not to say just go out guns blazing balls to the wall and be you know out of control. But the same amount of time goes into finding a six, seven, eight million dollar deal and doing the paperwork and the loan and the underwriting and adding value to that building, as does a one million dollar building. And so I could choose to do, you know, one $6 million building or six $1 million buildings or a ton of small single family homes. And that was one of the reasons why getting into commercial uh, and adding an extra common more zeros just became a no brainer, right? Because if you do the math on how many single family rentals you need to own to have an interesting amount of cash flow, it's a lot, right? 30, 40, 50. And for some people, that's just like the warm up. And I thought, boy, this is going to take a long time and be a lot of roofs and a lot of plumbing systems. So going bigger and capitalizing on the larger economies of scale that exist in commercial real estate. Like, you know, can you imagine if I did that with my first two or three years in the business as opposed to waiting six years to get into that side of it? And like that created our first seven figure payday. Uh, and, and that's just 
been been growing exponentially, right? And the momentum is increasing. And so um, I just didn't know, right? I didn't grow up with a bunch of you know rich people around me. I didn't know anyone who was doing commercial real estate. And I think 90% of the people who invest in real estate invest in single family residential because it's what they know. It's what people around them are doing. And this this whole world exists. It's like taking the pill in the matrix, right? And you're just like, oh my God, I had no idea this was possible. And I think a lot more people would passively invest in larger deals with better economies of scale if they truly understood how this worked and how much better the returns are. Yep, for sure. No, going big, I think that is great advice. Um, and it's it's hard to to give out, especially if, because I, that's why I think um, mentorship is so crucial because you, you want to go big for sure. But um, if you don't have any of that experience, it really is difficult to go big from the get-go. Like if you, if you haven't done a deal yet, um, I, I do think that starting with single family for somebody just getting started, I think that's a good route. If you don't have any experience, you don't have anybody in your immediate network who um, can kind of show you the ropes. But that's why mentorship is so good. People listening, watching, if you want to get into real estate, get out there, get a mentor who's done it um, and they can get you to the to the go big stage like Sean was talking about. All right, so moving on, quick question round, right? <laughs> moving on to uh, habits. Uh, habits are the foundation of our life. So if we could, if you could point to one habit that you feel has co- contributed the most to your overall health, well-being, happiness, what would that be? Hmm. Um. I mean, there's 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 so many things, right? I I, I don't know if you could point to a, a single habit that is that is well. Maybe I could wrap it all up in one. It's like I'm constantly. I see Kaizen on your board, right? And so I'm I'm constantly thinking about ways that I can improve my process, that I can grow as an individual, as a business owner, uh, as an investor, as you know, someone who stewards other people's money, as a husband, as a father, and continuously, you know, becoming better at our craft. And that's a never ending process. It touches all aspects of my business. It touches all aspects of my life. And I guess that that is something that I'm deeply passionate about because I do read a lot of books and I do listen to a lot of audibles and I do go to mastermind groups and I do get together with other people who are far ahead of where I'm at. And I'm constantly looking at ways that I can stretch my capacity, you know, think bigger, work smarter. Uh, and, and, you know, we all have the same amount of hours in the day, but there's a handful of folks on this planet who just use them better, right? They're more efficient with their time. They pull other people in more effectively. They're able to corral and use the same resources because it's, it's, it's almost like a matter of resourcefulness. Maybe, maybe that's another thing to think about. There's growth and there's resourcefulness. I think that's a Tony Robbins quote that I really like, right? It's never a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. And so maybe, you know, just being resourceful with all the problems that we've, you know, been through on deals and our portfolio and our investing careers and figuring out not can I overcome this, but how can I overcome this? Because there's always a way. There's somebody that we can turn to. There's a resource that we can turn to. And, and you know, that, that has helped me to, to, I think, get to a better place financially and, and find, you know, joy in what we do and happiness in our lives and, and just, you know, enjoying the ride as much as the destination that we're headed to. Yep. 
Man, I love that. You just smashed uh, two of my favorite concepts together. Um, I think resourcefulness is so crucial, especially in real estate. Um, but it's also, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the more resourceful you become. And that's where the Kaizen principle comes in. Um, it's just little incremental improvements time and time again. Uh, they'll you know make you more resourceful and you'll get more done in the same amount of time. So great advice. We're moving on to... Let's see. Second to last question. Where is it? There we go. Um, location. So the U.S., big place, a lot of places to invest. What area, one area, are you most excited about right now? And I should give some context because I've invested in the Puget Sound heavily. I uh, did a lot of house flips up there, had a bunch of rentals. I actually just sold off all my rentals and I exited uh, residential that I thought was just an insane time, very bubbly, low interest rates, no inventory. And I took a bunch of cash off the table and I'm rolling that uh, into distressed commercial real estate. Uh, I've owned in Southern California. I've owned in Texas. I still own in Texas. And I've passively invested with other people into mobile home parks, into apartment buildings in St. Louis and Dallas and Cleveland. So I'm, you know, I'm I probably place the bet more on the deal and the jockey or the horse than an entire market. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, I think where people and jobs are headed make a lot of sense. So I think about Florida, I think about Texas, I think about Arizona, uh, all very interesting. It's like, look, if you hang on to properties there for a while, you're probably going to be in really good shape no matter what price you pay today. Yep. Um, but 90% of my focus right now is in greater Phoenix mm-hmm. and is in the, asset class of shopping centers. And so that's where I've made my bets, where I continue to double down on my efforts. And I scour inventory there on a weekly basis, uh, looking for ways that I can make my friends and colleagues double digit returns on their money without them having to lift a finger. Perfect. I love it. Phoenix, Arizona, the place to be. Um, Idaho too, man. I've been looking at Idaho. Boise is just, just nuts. I don't know. I don't know. So many people moving there. It's the Californians um, taking all their money and all their equity and going to all these other markets. It's really, it's creating a, a wild whole experience. Okay, wait, before I forget, Gabe, I finally found that book. And this is like a little known book that I was really impressed with. So it's called Confessions of a Real Estate Entrepreneur by Jim Randell. And uh, it was it was just good. And he got into some really good nuggets and specifics uh, you know, it wasn't just like platitudes and theories, but he was going through some specific things that I think everyone could get some inspiration, some ideas from. Nice. I'm uh, just jotted that down. I have not read that. So that is on my list. And it's funny you said uh, Californians moving. I actually just had a conversation with the seller yesterday in Florida. Um, no, no, no. He was in Idaho, but he just went off. He's like, oh, man, all the Californians moving up here, shooting the prices up. I'm like, yeah, man. Those Californians. <laughs> That's the joke, right? Gavin Newsom is like realtor of the year in every other state because every Californian moved out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, hey, Sean, thank you for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out, get in contact with you? Uh, I like people to go to seancatona.com because I have all of my social media connected there. And so whether you like LinkedIn or Instagram or YouTube or my website, simplifiedproperties.com, all of that's there. And so you could, you could jump on there. It's S E A N K A T O N A.com. My email's on there too. And so uh, whatever your favorite way is to connect, you should be able to find me there. If you Google my name, I'll pop right up. Uh, I've been sharing a lot more, uh, you know, kind of weak 
or day in the life and projects that I'm working on and behind the scenes on some of my social media these days. So people can get a really good sense of what I have cooking and hopefully learn and, and you know, save some of the brain damage that maybe you and I have gone through on their journey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds good. So that was uh, Sean Katona. No, wait, it was simplified. Yeah, SeanKatona.com, S-E-A-N-K-A-T-O-N-A.com. I'll put that in the show notes. So if you see the little more, click that in the description. It'll pull down the full description in there. You can find Sean's URL. Click through, say hi, and uh, tell him you, you saw him on the Real Estate Investing Club. Awesome. So Sean, again, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Gabe, good to be with you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. And uh, don't be a stranger. Reach out, say hello. Let's connect and uh, happy investing. All right. And for everybody who did show up today, thank you guys for being here. You are the reason that we do this. So we appreciate having you here. If you have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, therealestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed putting it on and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can apply in your own investing today in the field. Before you go, we have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to invest, take your investing to the next level. I've created an ebook just for you available on our website. This ebook, ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance a deal with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I am throwing in a bundle of bonuses, seven of them to be exact. The first one will be the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating wealth in real estate. The second bonus is the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools, systems, and even the vendors we use to see the success that we do. And the third bonus is the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which is which will give you the exact keywords we use to target motivated sellers online using PPC ads. The fourth bundle is, or the fourth bonus is our contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all the contracts we use in the field to execute all different types of transactions. After that is the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. This is a lot of uh, a lot of bonuses that I said. I'm just going to keep going down the list. Number six is the investor's daily success tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And the last bonus is the wholesalers template for quick assignment cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. Whew, that is a bundle. So it's a mouthful. You get all of those bonuses for free when you download the ebook. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you're interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page to take advantage of that deal. 
And with that said, I hope you have a fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.